0: empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, back to the podcast. Uh, Today, in this episode, we are going to be exploring the physiotherapy approach to pain when there is no apparent injury. My guest today is Eric Olympico. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Madeline.
0: I I mean I'm excited to obviously talk about what we do and hopefully our patients and you know even other physiotherapists will um, gain some reflection, some knowledge, some you know maybe some discussion will come out of our discussion. So let's see where it uh, let's see where it takes us.
1: Yeah, I'm really happy to be here, and I think it's a great thing you're doing this uh, this podcast. It's really informative. And um, it's a pleasure for me to be here today. I've been looking forward to chatting with you about this.
0: Absolutely. So I guess let's start with um, you. Tell us a little bit about you.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I'm Eric Olympico and I'm a physiotherapist. Um, I've been, uh, you know, I did my undergrad in kinesiology and um, I've always been kind of interested in how the body works. I think it's important to know, you know, especially when you're treating someone as a physiotherapist, it's important to know how the body is supposed to work um, before you try and return it to a a pain-free or optimal state. We can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, But understanding how the body works is really important. So I did my undergrad at Lake Eddy University up in Thunder Bay, and uh, I studied kinesiology there. After that, I went on to do my Master's of Science at the Rice Neuromuscular Lab at Western University. Then for a few years, I worked as a strength and conditioning coach and personal trainer. Uh, that's when we met about 10 years ago, um, when we were both going back to school for uh, our Master's of Science in Physiotherapy at McMaster. Yep. Um, Madeline and I met at the Jiu-Jitsu Club, and um, we just happened to both be going into this program that is, you know, this very small number of applicants get in, and we just kind of started chatting about that. I still remember that day.
0: It was funny because I think you were talking to somebody else and I was just kind of like do 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 kind of just sitting and listening in class not really engaging and I think you were saying something about like yeah I'm starting at McMaster Physiotherapy and I was and it was like what physio (laughs) McMaster (laughs) who I'm like you eh? I was like you come here
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that was uh yeah then we had a good chat and uh yeah it's been uh it's been great going through the whole experience of school with you and uh now to see where you are now um yeah it's been really great yeah so um I, sorry go ahead
0: oh I was just gonna say I can't believe like what what we started yeah we started in 2000 it's 10 years yeah, it's been we 10 started years in 2010 now. wow yeah.
1: so so yeah I've always been kind of interested in how the body works and um been studying it I mean when I started my undergrad was in 2001 so for 20 years I've been looking into um how it works and uh We've been, uh, like you said at the beginning, we're going to talk today a little bit about how a patient or a person gets pain without a clear mechanism of injury. You know, there's something wrong with your shoulder, but you didn't fall on it. You didn't, don't remember twisting it at the gym or something. And um, we've, my partner, Robert Nichols, and I have uh, um, developed a course to assess this. And um, if people are interested, it's called Motor Assessment Protocols. And it's found at motorassessmentprotocols.com.
0: Yeah so we'll we'll definitely dive uh, deeper into some of the core theoretical parts but we'll certainly try to also keep it to a language that if a if a client is listening or um or somebody who's in pain is listening can understand um as well what might be going on um I guess I want to start with you know Physiotherapy as a profession has been around for a long time. We've had, um, you know, we have some big people who have contributed a lot of techniques um, and assessment skills over time for like manual orthopedic testing. And I'm just wondering, like in your research to develop this course, like what do you see has changed or what's different you know, when, you know, from the beginning of, you know, assessment testing to where things are at right now?
1: Yeah, that's, you know, I think that's important. And sometimes even to put the profession in a historical context, um, you know, physiotherapy would have been developed initially to help people, you know, coming out of war injuries, right? If you had your leg, um, if you lost your leg in a war and you needed to learn how to walk, You'd go see the physiotherapist with parallel bars. Um, If you had a a major surgery after war or um, a major trauma at work and you needed to relearn how to walk, the physiotherapist is the person where you would start your rehabilitation process. Now, we still do that as a profession, but the the profession has also evolved over the last 60 years um, to the point where you know, th- th- those aren't the only types of injuries that we're dealing with. Um, we're seeing more chronic problems. We're seeing people are living longer. People are living with more problems. Um, and uh, sometimes these problems don't have a clear reason for existence. A lot of times they do. The patient remembers, a, you know, twisting their ankle or something along those lines. But a lot of times, so, you know, I'd say 95% of the time person comes into my office, uh, they have... Pain somewhere, and they don't have a good understanding of why they have that pain. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, our, our patients' needs are evolving. Um, there's more demands for sport performance, there's more demands for uh, athletic performance in athletes, but also in the general population. We treat a lot of strength athletes like powerlifters who are training into their 40s, 50s, and 60s, and um, these people have. Uh, problems that uh, aren't going to be solved by, especially when it comes to performance issue, by increasing their general health or strength. They have a very specific problem that's preventing them from performing at the highest level. And uh, I feel like as a physiotherapist, my job is to help them understand what that problem is and then take steps to, to manage it. Um, but this is a little bit more specific um, and it's a little bit more difficult to to kind of conceptualize rather than recovery from like a wound.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, So, you know, you know, these changes and the the demands that our patients are asking for uh, in terms of uh, helping them with their, their pain and their problems, um, these need to be reflected in our approach to uh, assessment and our approach to um, application of, of therapeutic techniques and um in some ways we we struggle as a profession to to meet these needs, especially if we're locked in the uh um, treatment of an acute injury type of uh problem or model
0: so what does that okay so let's let's talk about what an acute model looks like um in sure. g- in general terms like you know we're pretty you know we're pretty good at. You know, acute models, right? It's easy to explain. Okay, you you know, you fell down. You reached out your arm uh, to land, and you fractured your wrist. And like, this is what we need to do to get you better.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's um, you know, in some ways that's easy. It's not necessarily easy. It comes with understanding the patient and all all the problems that they might have, their life, their goals, Um, but. To manage the condition itself is fairly clear, and there's systematic protocols for that. So, if you have a foosh injury, like you fell on your outstretched arm, uh, and let's say you broke your wrist and you had a surgery, well, you know, at first you're gonna put some ice on it, you know, with precautions. You're gonna examine the the wrist itself, see what's broken, see if it needs a cast, um, and then after surgery, you might be doing gentle return to range of motion, slowly increasing the strength over time. Um, This is uh, appropriate and uh, effective physiotherapy. And you want your physiotherapist to know how to manage that problem. Um, There's a lot of clear research and um, literature that's going to help that physiotherapist to manage that clear problem. Yeah. Um, now, if you're if you have chronic pain in your wrist every time you bench press, and it doesn't bother you at any other time, it's going to be a very different management uh, and a very very uh, um, a slightly different assessment than um, you would do with a, uh, as you than you would do with a known a known fall on it.
0: You know. Right. So what we're saying is like acute injury where there's a clear reason for that injury. Like you're playing soccer, you twisted your knee, you know, you tore a ligament, you know, it's, you know, that part's kind of visible on imaging or even through orthopedic physiotherapy testing. We're like, yep, there's definitely something wrong with this ligament. You know, there are so many protocols for like knee injuries and, like you said, um, wrist injuries. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, even shoulder repair surgeries, fair all fair of those fair. things have predetermined sort of protocols with lot, you know, with evidence to support specific management and assessment techniques. And, you know, those are fairly, you know, similarly like if you're walking and, and you, you know, fell down and bumped your hip you know like we know that there's a direct trauma and we can assess that accordingly to try to determine what you know what has been traumatized and then treat it accordingly that's the acute phase yeah
1: so yeah you're going to manage the acute phase you're going to treat the pain a little bit you might ice it if it's swollen you're going to protect it if it's damaged um, when you get out of that acute phase and into a subacute phase, you're going to start moving it again. You're going to start to improve the range of motion. You may start activating the musculature before you actually start, start to strengthen it. Um, you're going to educate the patient on the problem and the prognosis, and, and you're going to manage their individual goals and expectations. It's not easy, but it's fairly clear. Right. Um, it becomes less clear when, uh, when Laza, for instance, you know, my shoulder doesn't bother me except when I bench press and, um, my bench, I'm I'm a world-class bench press athlete and I have a competition coming up in six weeks and I can't do it. You know, this is a different problem than, uh, and, and and requires a different assessment and management than, uh, than a clear acute trauma.
0: Right. So how, you know, so how do we deal? So, how, are, how do you understand or how do you think about pain without an apparent mechanism of injury? Because, I mean, I get it all the time. Patient comes in, says, my back hurt, my low back hurts. and say, okay, well, you know, was there anything leading up to this? Um, you know, do you recall the moment that you felt it? Like, were you doing something? You know, and they're just like, no, it just... Hurts like I just woke up and it started hurting, and I'm like, okay, you know, it makes it <laughs> yeah. a little bit, you know, makes now, yeah, now it's a little bit more challenging. Now it's like, okay, uh, you know, I have to ask different types of questions. I have to start thinking about what is a contributing factor mm-hmm. to the development of of this yes. issue. Yes.
1: Yes, so I mean, the um, I think that's a it's a really important question, and um, and you know our our profession is seeing more and more of this. Um, So you know I think the first thing you do is the first thing you always do, which is um, you know as a as a therapist is you find you do want to find the structure that's hurting, right? So the, the there is a reason why they have pain, and that pain is a signal that there is a structure that has been either under improper load or damaged or sensitized. Um, I I would say, you know, 9 times, 9.9 times out of 10, you do want to identify this is the thing that's hurting you because it will help with your understanding and it will help with your patient's understanding and it will help with the prognosis. So if it is your back that's hurting, if a patient's back is hurting, you do want to identify, okay, is this pain coming from, a jammed facet joint, is this pain coming from strained activation of the muscles, is this pain coming from, um, you know, the sacroiliac joint, or or the muscles in the glutes, I do want to know, you know, when I'm doing this assessment, I still want to know exactly what hurts, that it's probably there, now, the tricky thing is, and this is what, this is one of the biggest things we talked about in the course, is sometimes that pain is referred, and um, referred pain is tricky, It doesn't always give you a reason why it's there, and if you assess an area, and um, the patient says it hurts here, for instance, they point to their deltoid, or they point to their shoulder, and they say, it hurts right here, and you do your physical exam, and the point that hurts is not producing pain on your physical exam, that pain is referred. It is coming from somewhere else, and then it becomes your job to find where the referral is from. So that pain that the patient is feeling it is an error in perception. They feel like the pain is in their shoulder. They point to their shoulder. They might rub their shoulder. But when you do your physical orthopedic exam, you get your hands on there, you watch it move, and you can't elicit pain by testing the muscle that they're pointing to, you know that you've got a referred pain, and then you got to go look.
0: Where are you going to go looking?
1: Where are we going to go looking?
0: To? <laughs> where where, where, do you, where do you, like, so how do you, you know, how do you, how do 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 you conceptually think through yeah. that like where, okay. where where are you thinking next okay it's it's not in the muscle yeah. it's not in yeah. that particular joint near yeah. the muscle or a ligament structure like like the pain is not in the shoulder okay so the sure, pain, sure. patient experiences pain in the shoulder but you can't reproduce the pain through a shoulder assessment what yeah, do you do exactly.
1: next exactly yeah so so the um you know and, and as a You know, patients listening to this might be able to, uh, um, you know, sort of have had similar experiences. When I talk to therapists, there's this is a question that um, that everybody that everybody gets is um, you know if if a patient comes in and they point to their deltoid, nine times out of ten there is nothing wrong with that deltoid. I'd say I'd say almost ten times out of ten there's there's nothing wrong with that deltoid. So what? we do is we apply a model of, of thought um, to, uh, to assess the ref- to assess referred pain. So we, we use some testing, some tip, just standard orthopedic testing to rule in or rule out the deltoid as the source of their pain. If we rule it out, then I go looking and I go looking in a model. So, so what I do is I ask, um, I ask first, is this coming centrally? For, is this coming from the neck? And I'm going to do a series of tests to see if I can invoke pain into the deltoid or uh, a proxy um, to see if this is coming from the neck. So, one, I'm going to start with the neck. Then I'm going to ask, is there a problem uh, with any of the descending nerves that I supply the deltoid? So, I might do some tests that assess around the axillary nerve or the suprascapular nerve. So, I want to know first, is it coming from the neck? Two, I want to know, is it is this pain that is not in the deltoid coming from the nerves that supply the shoulder? Or three, um, is it another muscle in the complex? So a weird sort of um, phenomenon, I guess you could call it, is um, if you have pain in your, in your deltoid, um, it's either gonna be coming from the neck the nerve that supplies uh, one of the muscles in your deltoid or, or rotator cuff, or if it's not the deltoid, it can be another muscle in the same myotome. And uh, this is a this is a concept that um, that Syriacs put out, who's like the father of orthopedic medicine. Um, he says that uh, if you've eliminated these other possibilities, what you're feeling is. Um, Another muscle in the same myotome. What's a myotome? So muscles are supplied by different segments in the neck. For instance, you've got seven vertebrae in your neck. Uh, At the fifth one, that's the one that that supplies your your shoulder. And um, we might look to the C5 vertebrae to see if there's a pinched nerve there. If it's not pinched there and um, the nerve that supplies the deltoid is fine, a lot of times you can be feeling damage in a muscle that is supplied by that same nerve. Now, this is a kind of a tricky concept, but um, whenever, you, you, you'll know this as a therapist, and listeners may know this, uh, uh, if, if any therapists are listening, when someone has a supraspinatus tear, which is a delicate little rotator cuff muscle, they almost never point to their supraspinatus. If it's, if it's got a partial tear in it, they might point to its tendinous attachment, which is kind of at the top of the shoulder. But a lot of times they're going to rub their arm. They're going to say, "I got this deep ache. It's deep in my shoulder," and that is again an error in perception. They've got a problem with a rotator cuff muscle, which is high in the shoulder, but it's being felt. And the more severe it is, the more the more further down they're going to feel it. Um, so, for instance, uh, a supraspinatus, which is a C5 muscle problem, you're going to feel it in your deltoid muscle. If it goes further down your arm into the C6, the area that the next vertebrae is supplied by, um, you're going to feel that's often in your spinnings, And they will feel that sometimes all the way down to the wrist. Weird, eh? <laughs>
0: yeah, wow. Well, the human body is a miraculous and mysterious, uh, you know, place. Yeah, it's, it's uh, tricky.
1: It's, it's, and it's tricky and, it, and it's hard to explain. But essentially it's like, you know, your body's used to feeling pain in, uh, in the skin. And when you've got a deep tissue that's irritated, you're going to feel it where you typically feel it, which is not deep in that muscle belly, but rather in the area of skin that is uh, supplied by the same nerve as that muscle. That's the concept. It's tricky. But once you start seeing things this way, you won't go back because you'll understand that, uh, okay, I've got one of three possibilities here. And if I use my orthopedic tests, I can tell where this problem is coming from. And when you can tell where the problem is coming from, you understand the structure, you can start implementing change immediately. You know, you don't have to work everything at once. You can just say, okay, this problem is coming from the neck. Forget about the shoulder, you know, for the next two sessions. All we're working on is the neck. And these kind of problems uh, can get sorted a lot faster than um, than I think people think.
0: What I find can be challenging is trying to explain to patients, right, referred referred pain, right? They're like, why are you you working on my neck? My shoulder
1: hurts. Yes, yes, exactly. This is a a, a critical, important, because you need the patient to buy in. And if I just tell them that it's coming from their neck, there's a good chance they're not going to believe me. You have to show them. So, you know, I, what, uh, what I find is helpful for this is I will walk the patient through my orthopedic exam what I'm doing. So I'm going to say, okay, here I am testing your shoulders. that bother you. Okay, this is the muscle where, where you're pointing to your pain. Does it hurt? And they're going to they're gonna say no. And then I need to recreate, I either need to recreate their symptoms or I need to show them through a strength or muscle test that they have a weakness. And that's where I'm going to get patient buy-in. Because if I tell them they're not, they're, they might believe me because they already trust me as a therapist or something, but if it's a brand-new patient who's just coming in off the street and their best friend didn't refer them, and I say, you know, you're, you're telling me there's something wrong with your shoulder, I'm telling you there's something wrong with your neck, and I just tell them they're not going to believe me, I have to show them. And I show them through the physical exam. And then I say, hey, listen, um, notice how we recreated that pain there. This is coming from your neck, and here's a test. We're going to do this test next time. And it's either gonna, you're either going to pass or fail. If, it, if you pass, we get to move on to this next thing. And the nice thing about doing um, walking the patient through the orthopedic exam in this way is that uh, we both know. So if I do the test and it, and it fails, I don't have to ask them to suspend their disbelief. They're going to feel that muscle fail. They're going to feel pain, um, or they're not. And if we, if we test, retest, repeat, that's um, you know, that's our best outcome measure because the patient is going to say, I you know, After a visit or two, okay, listen, I remember that was weak. Or well, I remember that hurt when we tested, tested it, and now I'm feeling, and now I'm not feeling that same thing. So I find it's almost, you know, to say I don't hardly ever explain this kind of stuff to the patient, other than to say, hey, listen, this company' not, and let me show you why I think so, as opposed to saying just saying, just trust me, it's coming. From you.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so when we're talking about pain with no apparent injury, are you thinking like sub acute, like, or, or cause it gets tricky. Cause if we get into chronic pain and potentially like Central senses, central or central sensitization or sensitization of the nerve, things get really messy and complex. Um, are, are you like, are you thinking this is a subacute problem in the sense that there was an injury th- there before, or is it that a tissue is not? functioning optimally due to um, the way that the complex is behaving? I don't know. Yeah, yeah,
1: this is a really good question. And that's a really, that's a really good way to frame it. And, um, you know, I I think, uh, let me just start by saying that um, the first thing I am going to do is put them into an idea of what phase of rehabilitation they're in. And that's what you might be saying in terms of, you know, you could conceive, let's say you rolled your ankle. This would be a problem where you would go. It starts as acute. It, 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 over time it moves to what you'd call subacute. And then you might call it a um, a subchronic condition. It's been there for six months, but I never had this problem before. Why do I still have it? And uh, and that can eventually migrate over time to um, chronic um, and then even after that, you get into complex chronic, where now because I can't move my ankle, I haven't been able to exercise at all, and I'm depressed, and um, I have uh, other conditions that are cropping up. So, you know, the patient moves from uh, an ankle that starts as a, a rolled ankle that's in acute pain, and uh, you're icing it, to all of a sudden, you know, five years from now, they're still not walking right, and it's affected the rest of their life. Now we're in a complex chronic state. So your management is going to depend on how far along the patient is. If I'm honest, my, the, the, the results of this kind of thing uh, for treatment work best if you haven't entered that complex chronic state. So if, we're, if the patient is in, you know, if this has been kind of getting worse over the last few months, perfect. Like this is, this is my ideal patient. Uh, if this has been going on for years, it's still treatable, but it's a slightly different approach because you have to start taking into account all the, all the changes that have happened in the rest of the system. And it's not as easy. Sometimes this stuff is like quick, like like it's been going on for months. I, I mean, that's how I know I'm doing a good job as a therapist is when someone comes in, you know, if it if they just came in acute, it might have just resolved anyway. But when it's been going on for weeks and months and we apply intervention, that's when we know as a therapist that we're working, that things are working. So, so yes, you, know, you do want to understand, I, I would say first conceptualize where the patient is in that journey uh, of rehabilitation. Um, but, and and that, will, that will impact my management a little bit. But you know, the, the way to think about it when you're thinking, this is what I would suggest is when a when the therapist is thinking about rehabilitation, where a patient is wanting to get rehabilitated, the first thing we do, like we said before, is identify the structure that's bothering them. I wanna know exactly what it is. I wanna know if it's referred, I wanna know if it's coming from the neck, I wanna know if it's a local problem in the shoulder. I wanna really understand the structure that's bothering them. And that's what I use my orthopedic testing to do. So a sur- and just to be clear, these tests are designed not by therapists, but by surgeons, right? So that, you know, these tests help the surgeon you know, when you do your orthopedic exam, a lot of this stuff um, is uh, designed by surgeons to help understand exactly what do I need to cut or what needs to be cut or doesn't need to be cut, what needs to be repaired uh, or what can be left. Um, but it doesn't help us as a therapist. It, it helps us understand what hurts. It helps us understand the amount of damage to the tissue when we do a physical exam. But, as, but then we also have to treat it. Right, so if we're dealing with a problem that didn't come from a fall and didn't come from getting the patient got hit by a bat, I've got to address the impairments that are contributing to it, as opposed to just treating the structure that hurts. So you know, I need to ask as a therapist, what are all the impairments that are contributing to this problem? And you know, when uh, um, when we started this 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 talk, I said. You got to understand how the body is supposed to work. And then when you look at a patient and see what are their deviations from the norm or from ideal, that's what we start to correct. That's what I'd call like an impairment. So let's say, you know, and some of this is just too theoretical, but let's say, um, let's just say uh, I go through an impairment hierarchy. So first thing I want to know is, is there a pinch nerve? Okay, is this problem coming from a pinched nerve? Because if it is, that's the first thing I got to manage. It's going to be really hard to treat a lot of these other uh, impairments if if the nerve that's supplying the area is pinched. You got to unpinch the nerve first, or you got to teach the patient how to protect it. Right. So that's kind of step one. Then I want to know what other impairments. So is there a strength impairment? What's what's weak? Strengthen it. Is there a range of motion impairment? Manage that. It might be increasing. It, it, it might not be at this point. Um, then I want to know. Is there a motor pattern problem? So I want to know, is this person moving ideally, right? So if uh, someone throws their um, their back out um, playing golf and all of their rotation is coming from their spine, there's nothing I can do as a therapist until we have them stop torquing their spine. They got to, that's their impairment, right? So if I'm looking to, I still need to do physiotherapy and, uh, you know, I might, I might ice it I I might protect it I might do all the stuff that a typical um, acute trauma might indicate but if I really want to get rid of their problem I need to understand the impairments and we put that in a hierarchical list nerve root is there a nerve problem is there a muscular strength issue is there a movement form problem and I like to do it in that order so we correct you know, and there's, these are whole, whole discussions in themselves. How do you correct these issues? Uh, but if the problem isn't that they're weak, why am I strengthening? You know, I, I treat a lot of huge powerlifters. These men and women, they can lift, you know, 700 pounds uh, deadlifts. You know, they don't need general conditioning. They need really, if, if something needs to be strengthened, it's got to be specific.
0: Totally. Um... <laughs> Question. Okay. So we were talking about the power lifter who's trying to bench press and has pain in their deltoid, right? Sure. That's not allowing them to do the bench press. Right. Are we, so when we're talking about that phase of like, where's that patient in that phase? If there's no apparent acute Right. There's no in. There's yep, no yep, so-called yep. injury. They're 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 li- they're doing their press the same way they've been always doing their press. But now they have pain. Yes. Are, are we? Ta- are you thinking underlying injury from repetition, or how are like? I'm I I I'm just curious as to how you're conceptualizing this.
1: Okay. So yeah. So um, it's probably yeah. I, I usually wouldn't think of repetition first. Um, unless it's bilateral, because they're you know, uh, if it's a repetition issue, let's say that this person might have excellent form, right? You, you know, someone like this. Let's let's say this person uh, is a really excellent powerlifter, and and you know they're teaching other people bench press because they're so good at it, but they're still having this pain. Um, what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to assess them uh, to see you know, how to recreate the pain. I want to know exactly what it hurts. I'm going to use some orthopedic tests to see, okay, is, it, is this the long head of your biceps that's bothering you? Is it your deltoid that's bothering you? Um, and then I'm going to put them through that through that model. So I'm going to test uh, the muscles that are supplied by their by that nerve in their neck. So I'm going to test their C5 muscle. I'm going to see, is there a problem in the neck? Let's say there's not. Everything, I don't think this is coming from the neck. Um, I don't have any indication that's coming, so then I say, okay, I've cleared that. So now I'm going to go down the list, and I'm going to say, okay, now I'm going to test all the local musculature in your shoulder. So I'm going to test all the muscles that stabilize your collarbone, muscles that stabilize your shoulder blade, the muscles that stabilize your your head of your humerus in your in your in your ball and socket, and I'm going to find out. Um, I, and, and those tests are going to give me one of four possibilities. The muscle that I test is either going to be strong and pain-free. There's nothing wrong with it. It's going to be strong and painful. There's something wrong with that muscle. It's going to be weak and painful. There's something really wrong with that muscle. Or it's going to be weak and pain-free. So there's these four possibilities. And what that tells me is if it's weak and pain-free, um, Weak and strong and painful. That's, this is probably what we're talking about. This person probably hasn't blown their shoulder out, right? Um, if it's, so let's say I test supraspinatus or long head of biceps and it's strong and painful. Okay, there's something wrong with that structure. But then I test the rest of the shoulder and I find a weakness in let's say their serratus anterior and it's weak but pain-free. That's my green light go. That's solid gold. That means, okay, I've identified the structure that hurt them and I have identified a weakness that I'm not finding on the other side. For one reason or another, this muscle is inhibited or um, shut off, or you're doing something and maybe it's maybe it's not working because of uh, you know, it's avoiding pain or something along these lines. But it doesn't hurt to test, but it shows up as weak in my exam. Then it's like, okay, say, hey, this is, this is just absolutely beautiful because I can strengthen that muscle. That gives me something to do. It gives me something to give the patient. that's say. This muscle's not strong, it's strong on the other side. It doesn't hurt for us to train it. Worst case scenario, we've strengthened an aspect of your shoulder that's weak, and best case scenario is gonna correct your, 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 your structural pain.
0: So the muscle that's, you know, maybe potentially a muscle is being inhibited for yeah. a numerous number of reasons, which is causing more activity yes, in a different exactly. muscle. And so then, the muscle that's actually painful isn't necessarily damaged. It's just being, um, like, it's creating nociception, right? Yeah, it's yeah exactly, a, exactly. It's creating a noxious stimulus because maybe that tendon is undergoing a stretch receptor activation, or you know, it's feeling overloaded, and it's just signaling to the brain, "Hey, there's a problem here." Unfortunately, exactly. I, can't, I can't tell you what that problem is, but there's a problem here. Yep.
1: yep.
0: Um. So the problem may not be the muscle that's causing that's in pain. The problem is the weak muscle that's not supporting the structure, which is causing an overload on a muscle that is now painful because yes, it's being it, overloaded.
1: Yes. I have to say you've explained this much better than,
0: <laughs> <laughs> than, than I can,
1: That that is exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, this is the, the whole idea when you're dealing with pain without a mechanism, right? Because like what, what you just said, um, you've identified the thing that hurts, but you didn't hurt it. And you didn't, you didn't traumatize it, right? Yeah. But if you were to do an image of it, it would probably look normal. You know, you would, you would take a picture of the uh, ultrasound on it. It might show a little bit of fluid or something. But your hands-on exam is going to identify to you, hey, this is the thing that hurts. Let's go looking for why. And that's your job. As, uh, you know, that's what I think everyone's job is as a therapist is uh, – um, you know okay i want to know what hurts but then i got to figure out how to get rid of it and i got to figure out to get figure out how to get rid of it i got to know uh why it hurts and what's wrong around it and that gives me that gives me work to to rehabilitate
0: right so you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast like this is a course you you've, you and um robert um designed this course to basically teach Therapists, and that could be chiros, RMTs, yep, yep, yep. Physi- um, physiotherapists, yep. athletic therapists as well. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, how to better assess these skills. Are we not, you know, are we not taught this in school? Well, <laughs> we,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm asking, I, I'm yeah. asking trickily because I obviously just went through the same university <laughs> that you did. Yes, yes, I would yeah. say that we're not, I didn't necessarily feel that we were, we were taught everything that we needed to be taught, um, but in order to push us through in two years, perhaps may not have been given all of the theoretical frameworks, like all of how do we piece this all together? Yeah. Um, and I think that's where continuing education um, and why we're mandated to do continuing education um, so yeah, that we can yeah. fine tune our skills, right? We're given the basics to begin and then yeah. – we have to hone in our skills.
1: Yeah, they, they, you know, when you when you graduate from you know from a program from a professional program like this is number one they want you to be safe, right? Yeah. They want you to they want you know can you perform your job in a in a safe manner. Um, they also want to know that you know the basics. That's one I've been thinking about anyway. When because sometimes I wonder why I didn't learn a little bit more hands-on skills at work at, or at school is, is essentially especially since I I use these skills every day. But when I think back to our program and I think back to what you learned, you learn to be safe. You learn the basics. You learn what I think is really important is all the other things that could be, right? So you get a context of, you know, hey, this looks like a shoulder, but what if it's a neuromuscular condition like ALS or Guillain-Barre? And you get exposed to all these other possibilities that, You know, when I was working as a trainer, I wouldn't have known, you know, all the epidemiology and physiology of of all these different conditions. So you get taught that. But then, you know, quite frankly, when you graduate, you're the worst therapist you're going to be in your career. And um, and then you got to start, you know, I didn't invent any of this. All this stuff is taken from uh, people that I look up to in, in the industry. Uh, for us to build this course, you know, we, we went back and we read, um, Kendall, this muscle strength and testing. We read Sterex, we read Travell, we read, um, uh, you know, Maitland, um, we read, you know, McGill and all these, uh, these are, these are validated assessment techniques that are based on the pillars of the physiotherapy industry. Yeah. I would encourage anyone who's, you know, wants to be wants to understand more about physiotherapists, go back and read some of these old texts. It's sometimes tempting to just read all the newest stuff, but everything that we have came from some of these original players. Uh, McKenzie, um, you know, if you could read all of them, sometimes they argue with each other, but, but when you kind of read them all, you get an idea. do we all argue where, where with we, ourselves? Yeah. We- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
0: So this is this is the interesting part because I think there's an art to our profession as well. We have a strong scientific basis, but how we deliver, how we communicate, how we test, how we rehabilitate, it's going to be very individualistic and there's going to be lots of therapists who have very opposing um, thought processes. And I think that's fine and I think that's healthy and good. For our, our profession, because it calls into, it calls us to question what we are, what we are doing and how we are doing it. And we don't have to agree. Like, I don't necessarily have to agree with your assessment skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's totally fine. I think, it was, I think what's important for me is being able to read through different ways of thinking, because you never know when... Four or five pieces of information from various sources culminate in your mind, where you have a light bulb moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a good way to put it. And um, you know, there's more than one way to get to the top of the mountain. And um, you know, I, I, you know, this course doesn't have the, um, you know, the rights to truth in physiotherapy. What, what we're we're continually reevaluating our assessment methodology and incorporating what we can from, uh, from others. There's going to be someone else who can get just as good or, you know, results as I can, um, using a different assessment technique. And, and I would, uh, um, and I would hope to learn from them also, you know?
0: Yeah. I think a lot of it, you know, yeah. Okay. We come out of school and we have what we have and we get out there, we start helping people, um, You know, we run into roadblocks and I would argue that the roadblocks we run into is what forces us to then research, right? I mean, while McMaster's all, you know, we're very much research and evidence-based and like self-learning, you know, we go out there and we start looking for answers, right? If we weren't able to get to hit a target, it makes us a better therapist because You know, when you're actively seeking out answers to questions you don't have answers to, that's what allows us to become better at our skills.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can only
0: learn so much at one time, right? And like, you know, you and I, I remember like there were days I cried, you know, the information (laughs) was just so overwhelming, (laughs) I still cry. Yeah, I mean, I still cry. Let's
1: let's, <laughs> let's right? be honest. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of one step at a time, and and that's a good way to to frame it. Um, you know, you're uh, you know, you're always uh, sort of looking for improvement. And one of the things that's tricky in this job, and I think it's a really um, it's, it makes it challenging, is I don't see the same condition present the same way ever. So you know, if someone's got a pinched nerve in their back, um, let's say they've got a pinched nerve at their L5, they got an L5 bulging disc. That person does not present exactly the same ever, right? So it becomes tricky as, you know, you need systems of assessment to lead you to that because it's not like a, a rash where, you know, there's a rash on your skin and it almost always looks the same when it's in potato and it almost always looks the same when it's a, um, uh, Ringworm. Uh, Ringworm. Ringworm. <laughs> Let's just bring in yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, But the you know when, when you've got a condition because of that person, the way they're managing their, their the way they're managing themselves, and the way their body adapts their problem, it always presents different. It can present different in every person, and it's one of those problems I think in our industry is why. You know, people will ask why you might go to two therapists and have two different diagnoses. And my response would be a lot of the times these conditions don't present the exact same every time.
0: Right, exactly. Okay, so let's chat a little bit more about the course specifically. Can you talk about, like, what does your course look like? What are some, like, what are the objectives? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so first of all, I mean, it's all like, I don't even know if I've done a great job explaining today, but the idea is, um, First of all, I want the learner to understand uh, how pain refers, how to distinguish between local and referred pain. We need tests for that. And so our course helps uh, um, if you, you, know, you want to broaden your understanding of referred pain, um, this is going to give you a system of assessment to do that. So, so, first, so one of the things it's going to do is help you understand how pain refers. Uh, and give you a system to assess. And And then secondly, we're going to give you a system to um, assess, uh, you know, not only the, you know, we're going to teach some manual muscle testing skills that will help you understand, um, you know, what structure is is damaged. And we're also going to give you a system to um, rehabilitate anything that's weak. So you know, a learner is coming into our program is going to get a good understanding of referred pain. They're going to get a good understanding of um, uh, of how to do an assessment to see if something is coming from the neck. First of all, like, can you distinguish if this problem is in, in the shoulder or in the neck? We'll give you tools in order to do that. Um, and then, uh, and then we're going to talk about um, uh, broadening the assessment to um, you know, sort of the whole the whole kind of upper extremity. So. Uh, we're going to be teaching hands-on assessment skills um, that will help the, uh, the learner understand the impairments that are contributing to the patient's pain and therefore um, I- exactly what needs to be treated in order to get rid of it.
0: Right. So if I remember correctly from sampling, your course, right, we're talking about learning assessment skills for nerve root, right? So yep. like, is it coming from the neck? Right, yeah. then we're looking at okay, if it 's not coming from the nerve root, is it coming from a peripheral nerve
1: correct, yeah, that's right,
0: yeah. and if it's not coming from a peripheral nerve, what muscle is it coming from
1: yeah, and yeah. so you're
0: providing a systematic a, uh, a, a systematic way of assessing to rule in rule out which of those three structures is contributing to the impairment and then you once you've dis- determined the structure, you're looking at the impairments, okay, which would be like range of motion, strength, um, and uh motor
1: um yeah pattern yeah. motor patterns. Yeah well, yeah well once again you've explained it better than me.
0: <laughs> That's okay so I'm going to say that in the process of my business coaching program I have come to discover that my unique ability is exactly this. I can for whatever reason, I just take that information i it jumbles around in there, it takes me a little bit of time, but it jumbles around, and then I try to spit it out yeah in no
1: that's uh the simplest way yeah, um, that's good. I mean that's a great skill. Uh, I think mine is to just dance around it and make a cloudy uh, picture even cloudier
0: <laughs> but but you know what you know the way um you know so watching when you when you test ran your course. Watching you be able to move through this systematic system, I was in awe of oh, thank you. just how you are able to test, how you handle the, the patient when you're testing, um, just the confidence and the ease of, of transitioning from You know, peripheral from nerve root to peripheral to muscle, like, and then just the way that you think about it, like, leaves me in awe. I mean, I don't necessarily dive into the orthopedic realm so specifically, being pelvic floor, um, but I certainly appreciate your attention to the detail and trying to become as specific as possible to target the impairment right from the get go. That's why, you know, that's why our jujitsu friends, you know, hey, went to, you know, went to see Eric, you know, like a couple of treatments and I'm already feeling better. And I think that's a testament to your assessment skill to be able to really hone in down to, okay, here are the one or two things I think are the problem. Here's where we're going to start. And oftentimes, you know, they're getting better within a couple of sessions. And so that's, I mean, I'm in awe of that.
1: Well, thanks a lot that's a you know I, I'm making it out to be more complicated than, than it is. I mean honestly, a few kind of quick tests that you just put through a a system of uh a system you I know mean, everybody needs a system and um if you just plug it in and, and do the test it'll tell you it'll tell you what you need to do and uh, and yeah thanks for for putting in power
0: yeah yeah you're welcome that's that's what I'm here <laughs> for buddy so okay so the website again for all the course information is what
1: yeah it's called MotorAssessmentProtocols.com. assessment protocols.com and um, the course acronym is maps and uh, it, you know we kind of did that because the, the you know we, we looked at a bunch of maps of referred pain um, and uh, and kind of put them together into into our into our assessment course, but yeah, motorassessmentprotocols.com and, um,
0: I will post, a look. we're going to yeah. be
1: order, we're going to be running some courses, uh, you know, a few times a year.
0: Yeah. So we'll put a link, um, in the show notes for the website as well. Um, Thoughts about when you may be running the first course? Oh, I'm yeah, not so the first. Okay, you haven't run. You've run it already a couple times. So
1: yeah, we've oh. run it a few times. Yeah. Um, we're uh, running it for the first time in Ontario in uh, at the end of June. Um, I think. Uh, geez, I should know my stuff better than this, but I think we're running it on the twenty seventh and twenty eighth of, of June at. Um, The uh, CARDEN Rehabilitation uh, Continuing Education Center, they make uh, physiotherapy tables. Um, So we're at their clinic as of now. I mean, we're in the midst of a a pandemic. Um,
0: So here's where the elephant, this is where the elephant comes into the room. Um, (laughs) That's right. So Yeah, so,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, we're in the midst of a pandemic here. I mean, at this point the course is on, it is possible that we try and find a way to do it remotely. That was actually a suggestion that uh, the Madeline had before, uh, you know, we started chatting on this um, on this on your program. Um, so that is a possibility. We we may end up running it remotely. You know, the gold standard, uh, in my opinion, of physiotherapy assessment and rehabilitation must be hands on. Just like you can't really a doctor can't really do a great job of diagnosing you over the phone, and you may have greater or lesser. Uh, success depending on your condition the gold standard of physiotherapy is uh, hands-on assessment and uh, and rehabilitation I don't think there's any way to um, you know there's any way to totally mimic that however the silver standard may be um, doing things online and, and assessing through what you can visually and what you can get the patient to, uh, to do. Test, so,
0: test on themselves. Um, there I, is I, a way to do that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I mean, like we're in the midst of a pandemic and our profession is, you know, and not just only ours, but I think any, you know, healthcare profession that does hands-on and works with patients, you know, face-to-face is, is, is having to shift their, um, their model, their approach, their mindset. Right. And, um, you know, I agree there's definitely something about a hands-on physical assessment that is, that cannot be reproduced virtually.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. But having said that, I agree with you that the silver, right. The Mm -hmm. silver standard, um, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic. The bottom line is, is, you know, people are in pain. Right, and we as physiotherapists, we do have things to offer yeah. our clients to be working on to manage their pain, to get moving in a safe way. Um, you know, w- w- of course, some things around prognosis, like it. You know, if it's a, it's a, if it's a dead um, a power lifter, I was going to say a dead weight lifter, a power lifter. <laughs> <laughs> you know if they are in a competition which likely in the midst of a pandemic they are not um but hypothetically if they had to get you know to a competition and you weren't able to assess them physically it would be very like we wouldn't be able to say yeah you're going to be good to go in 6 weeks without actually testing it but i think in the midst of a pandemic if we're talking about you know I've developed a shoulder pain. I went to lift something up. My back hurts. Like what are the man, what are the acute and subacute, you know, like management strategies that people can be doing at home until we can get them back in the clinic. Right. Like we yeah. don't, people can be doing things to manage their pain.
1: Yeah. And you, do it, yeah you do what you can uh, with what you have in the time that you're in. Right. So, I mean, as physiotherapists right now, it's kind of a, a tricky time and it's so hard for so many other people. I mean, just, you know, uh, a shout out to all the other healthcare workers on the front line right now. I mean, as physiotherapists, you know, we're, we're so fortunate that we've got all these doctors and nurses that are interacting with um, with people who are uh, infected and, and helping them with life-saving procedures and yeah. You know, our, our job as physiotherapists right now, with the exception of maybe a, a respiratory physiotherapist, is, um, is at this time to just support our community and our patients in the best way that we can. That may be um, doing you know, some assessment work online to help uh, keep people out of their doctor's office,
0: right? Yeah. kind of keep them at home. Well, and, we want to keep them out of the hospitals, right? Exactly,
1: like- exactly. So maybe that's our role right now. Um, and, uh, you know, we've just got to do what we can to, um,
0: Right. Cause we're trained, to the, yeah. we're trained in screening red flags. Like, yep. you know, we can screen the red flags. We can determine, okay, is this really 100% pr- like pain is pain. Pain can be so excruciatingly painful that you feel like I have to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, let, you know, but I still think that there's a responsibility for us to screen and help those people who are experiencing those types of pain to help them understand, you know, okay, this is definitely emergency. This is what you can do to manage this current situation. Like where you're weighing out risks and benefits. Yeah, and so exactly. we as, we as physiotherapists, you know, that's our, that's definitely our job. And we certainly don't want to be overwhelming our physician offices because like there are people who have like th- life threatening other conditions that may not even be related to the virus that need to get in to see the you know the doctor, and here's where we can step up um, as physios. And you know, and this is just a message to our patients as well. Like we can do a lot of things virtually for you,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. right? And we're going to do what we can, and uh, you know, so you know, that's that, that's right. I mean, we just got to sort of. I mean, this thing is evolving so fast. It's only been a week, and. Um, you know, where we've sort of been off work, but uh, you know, we just got to do what we can with what we have and uh, do what we can in the direction of um, of the, you know, very qualified healthcare professionals who are doing their best to manage this problem. In some ways that means staying out of their way. In some ways that may mean helping to offload. People are still gonna have all the problems that they had, you know, before the, this pandemic. Um, so if there's any way that we can kind of help manage it from a remote location, I mean, maybe that's the best way to do it for
0: now, you know, I think, um, I think we're going to see what happens. Um, but I think it's important for patients to know that there is a lot we can do virtually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it yeah, may absolutely. not be the absolute gold, but yeah, silver, <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> like we, yeah. We want you to be able to walk out of your house when we're ready to open up, up, open up the doors versus, you know, coming out in crippling pain where it's yeah, going to take exactly. longer for us to help you rehabilitate. There are yeah. so many things we can do to help you get better. I yeah. really, I really, really, truly believe that, there are, that you can gain so much benefit from telemedicine And then it'll make it so much easier for us and for you when you come into the clinic for treatment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, let us
0: help you. I know it's not the ideal. I know you want to come in and see us, but for health and safety purposes, I think if your physiotherapist is offering telemedicine, you know, please take them up on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and especially because it may it may prevent a condition from worsening, and um, yeah, the last thing we need is more people uh, in the health in, in the hospitals right now, especially yeah. with conditions that aren't related to infection. So yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a good. That's true.
0: Um, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy, you know, <laughs> uh, schedule, uh, sure. to you know, come and chat with me about this. And, um, yeah, thank you for
1: having me so much. And thanks for, thanks for, uh, you know, clarifying and summing up, uh, you know, my, some of my ideas And um, yeah, I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. So thank you so much for having
0: me. You're so very, very welcome. Of course, we also want to thank uh, the listeners who are, um, you know, continuing to support the podcast. Uh, We would love if you're not subscribed to subscribe, Uh, leave us reviews for the podcast, share with your friends. Um, You know, we're trying to put out lots of great information to help You live a better life. This is the whole point. We want you living the best life you can. And so different guests, different ideas, different things you could be doing. You definitely want to stay tuned. So make sure to subscribe. But we'll say bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.